Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The following content is not suitable for children. So today we are welcoming the founder of Emotionally Focused Therapy, Dr. Sue Johnson. We are so excited to have her to talk with us about the sexual attachment cycle, to share with us how she and George met and invite you to learn from her with us. Hey guys, it's really lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Welcome to Foreplay Radio, Couples and Sex Therapy. I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fallon, your couples therapist. And we are passionate about talking about sex and helping you develop a way to talk to each other. Our mission is to help our audience develop a healthier relationship to sex that integrates the mind, the heart, and the body. What a privilege. I mean, we would not be here today without Dr. Sue Johnson. And for those of you who have not gotten a chance to meet her, you know, she's an amazing person and therapist, trainer, author. I mean, she's got so many best-selling books out there. I mean, literally, she's changed the world, right? She has changed the world. Love Sense. (laughs) For, For all our couples out there, you need to buy Love Sense because this is written for couples. And hold me tight. I mean, these books are really a pathway for you to talk with each other, to read together, to do exactly what we're doing on the podcast, to give you language and understanding about your sexual cycle and your emotional cycle. Mm -hmm. So please, and we will link you on our website to those books. So welcome, Sue. We've met now, we've been 20 years. So how did I meet Sue Johnson as a... Right after 9-11, right, where the world's turned upside down, and it feels that way again, right? COVID and wars, and it's like it feels similar to that 20 years ago. But as a new therapist, and I decided on my days off when I was not working at Ground Zero that, hey, I might as well see some couples and try to help them out because I am a brand new couples therapist. The problem is I really didn't know how to help couples because the couple that I tried with, they were screaming and yelling and not listening (laughs) to each other. And all the stuff that I thought would work was not working. Like, you know, calm down, listen, negotiate, compromise. Like, yeah, they, they couldn't do any of that stuff. So I remember in my desperation, I was like saying, I, I got to quit this job. I'll go back to my firehouse. I don't need to be a therapist. I don't know what made me want to do this crazy thing anyway. Then I remembered an article that Sue had written around just the, the cycle. And like, it made sense to my tactical braid. Like, all right, that kind of makes sense. There's a system here. There's patterns. Like, how do you get into that and not get lost in the content? So I sent an email out to Sue and I said, listen, can you help? Is there anything where you could send me an article or a book or a tape, anything? And she said, once she responded, which was cool, but she said, better than that, how about I fly out to New York and train you and your staff? And I was like, oh, all right, so let's do it. And <laughs> that, that's, that is, that is an amazing gift. Wow. That was pretty, pretty cool. So wow. just thank you, Sue, for showing up in my moment of greatest need. Oh, and it was really... an honor. It was an honor, George. How could you not want to help? How could you not? 
uh, do that. It was a, it yeah. was an honor, and uh, I remember that. That was that was quite a trip. And then what I remember is you came to a training in San Diego, and you were sort of just observing. That's what I remember. I said, "Oh, sure, if you want to come, and you can observe." And what I remember is that we were doing role plays, and you sat and role played the therapist, and I watched you. You probably don't remember this. I watched you and I said, okay, where'd you learn to do this? <laughs> and you said, what are you talking about? I said, well, listen, buddy, like you can't just do this on the fly. You need, somebody taught you where'd you learn to do it. I said, no, I, well, I've read your book and I just did it. I said, uh-huh. I thought, okay, this dude's got something going here. I'm going to. I'm going to keep hold of him. He's, he's something else. And then we just, we just went from there, I guess. And the wonderful thing about us, George, is that over the years, I feel like we've run the whole gamut just like a couple. We, <laughs> we've appreciated each other. We've hugged each other. We've supported each other. We fought. Yeah. We fought because you could be just something else, man. And we've, <laughs> we've come together again. I mean, it's it's been neat, right? But it's, it's been... it was an honor for me to help you guys. And I remember being invited to the firehouse. Ah. And that was that was beyond. You dressed me up in all that fireman gear. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't even walk. Let alone climb up ladders and get into the big fire. I couldn't even walk. It was so heavy. I couldn't walk. And then you guys gave me this meal and the meat was enough to feed my family for two weeks. <laughs> but it was for me, this, I, I, it was, I remember, and you were all so delightful. That was so much fun to have Sue at the firehouse, the Harlem Hilton. We have 15 people at a table and she's sitting there trying to get through that meal. And, you know, the <laughs> alarms are going off and we have all this action. And, you know, we got to go out afterwards. I, I remember your glass of scotch. You know, that's the first. I was like, oh, she drinks scotch. That's interesting. So it was, that was a memorable night. Well, do you remember the firemen took me upstairs and they asked me if I wanted to go down the pole? I was horrified. I said, no, 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 no. Thank you very much. No, 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 no. But I think my son was with me and I think he said, oh, yeah, I'll go down the pole. And he went down the pole. But, ah, good Lord, I wasn't going down some slippery pole, three stories. Forget it. I don't care. Was That's that also the first time that, that uh, you jumped in a fire truck and you got to experience my driving? No, <laughs> no, I experienced your driving some other time and I told you very seriously, I will never, ever get in a car with you. You went straight through a red light. I nearly died. I said, George, you've just gone through a red light. You said, I quote, it's okay. The police never go for firemen, and I'm used to driving the fire truck. I said, I said, I don't care about the police, George. I just care about dying. And you just went through a red light. And he said, and you said, yeah, well, well. I said, and we're not in a fire truck. We're in a small car. I, no, 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 no. I'm not doing. I thought, no, no, not doing that again. No, you're you're crazy, man. You're crazy behind a wheel. You're crazy. Okay. Hey, you got to do what you got to do to get to the destination. That's what I was oh. trying to do. <laughs> oh, that is a beautiful story. I love it. I love it. I have also ridden with George in a car, Sue, and 
I just tell myself, you know what, George will survive. So I, yes, I just, George will. Survive. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's anyway. so true. <clears throat> it's interesting because we're talking about a wild ride. 9-11 was a wild ride. You know, the mm-hmm. firehouse. The guys were were in for a wild ride. Those couples were in for a wild ride with all that trauma. And the only way I know to for people to deal with trauma is to deal with it together. And for lots of people, um, knowing how to negotiate their sexual life is a wild ride too. So Yes, it is. Right, which is how we got, I got involved in this podcast. Lori was doing it for a couple of years before I joined. And I think EFT has such a major vital contribution to the field because most of the sex therapy field is not, you know, it's focused on the mechanics and yes. the, not really looking at all at the, the emotional bond. And, you know, that's such an important way to helping couples connect. I mean, the sex is so important to the emotional bond. So I think EFT really, the way I was trained to kind of work with this, the emotional cycle and, you know, when they made progress on that, you know, then we could get into the sexual cycle later in the treatment and if needed. And most couples report improved sex life where their emotional bond gets closer, but not all couples. So, you know, and so that's what started making me think about, huh, I don't really I grew up in a family not talking about sex. You know, in my training program, I didn't really talk. We didn't talk about sex. Most therapists don't talk about sex. So no wonder why there's this avoidance of sex. So, you know, that's what I started to work with Lori say, you know what, this, this, this is some great stuff here that if we can access earlier and kind of know what to do with it more, it gives us more entry points into the emotional cycle. So that's what we started to play with. And that's really what we want to kind of hope that you can talk to us about. How do we start to see this sexual cycle and work with it earlier in the process? Yeah. One of the key shifts in our work is that rather than talking, getting two couples in a room who aren't getting along, getting two partners and focusing in on what each one's doing wrong or if you were like each one's neurosis or something, what we have always done is step back and look at the dance. Mm-hmm. Say a relationship is a dance. And the emotion is the music. And you get caught in a certain kind of music. You play it, your partner plays it, and then the two of you create it together. And it moves you. It moves your feet. You, music is very powerful. It moves you in a certain dance. And you don't even realize the pattern that you are caught in and how the pattern is doing you. Mm-hmm. And that was very clear to us. Um, One of the key things that we do that's different is we say to people, look at the dance you're caught in. The dance you're caught in doesn't help you feel safe or connected. The problem is the dance and you're both creating it and you're both caught. That's terribly different than you need to calm down. It's your anxiety that's the problem. How can you control your anxiety so that you're not such a pain for your partner? Or do do you realize that the way you speak to your partner is threatening and you know uh, it's it's a very it's not teaching people skills or performance it's saying hey guys look we're human beings when we have deep needs and deep longings and strong emotions and we're not very aware of the impact we have on our partner we get caught in these dreadful dances and it's the same in the sexual dance 
as in an emotional dance, right? It's the same. I mean, these yes. dances happen between parents and kids. The first step is to see the pattern rather than mm-hmm. blaming your partner, blaming yourself. Oh, I'm a terrible lover. Um, no, or, or, oh, she is cold and doesn't desire me. Oh, no, wait a minute. Let's step back here and look at the dance we're caught in. Yes. People can start to have some sense of balance and safety and not be desperately trying to figure out, is it me that's the problem? No, it's, it's that person that's the problem. They're both a trap, you know, because it's the way you're dancing together that's the problem. But people don't even know how to talk about that. And lots of couples therapy still doesn't talk about that. You know, um, there's some lady on the internet, I saw her the other day talking about narcissism and what happens if you're married to a narcissist. It's like, oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. We just get past this labeling and name calling. And we are, well, I don't know anyone else, but um, I'm incredibly narcissistic when I'm afraid. Mm. <laughs> you know, if I'm, if I'm afraid... I'm focused on the threat to me. I have very hard time looking up into your face and saying, oh, my goodness. Oh, George looks upset too. Oh, is George upset? Oh, I don't even have the time to do that when I'm feeling rejected and abandoned or I'm terrified that, oh, my goodness, my spouse is going to leave me. My spouse doesn't want me. So, (laughs) you know, we, we, the cycle is important and people don't see it. And I think the other thing that really hits me about the field is this incredible thing that we've all believed that in order to have good sex, somehow uh, you can't put emotional safety together with good sex, that somehow right. safety is comfy and it's unerotic, mm-hmm. which is very different from the way we see it. You know, the way mm-hmm. I see it is when you feel safe with somebody, emotionally safe and connected, you can play. You are and- absolutely right. Yes. I mean, we know that the research has shown, right, that securely attached couples, when they're sexually secure, they are motivated by intimacy and pleasure. It's not yes. one or the other. Yes. It's both. It's both. That's right. That's right. And it's like, being open and accessible emotionally shapes being open and accessible in your body. You know, how, yes. do you, how do you open your body up and relax and move towards pleasure and longing if you are always coping with threat? And I think the issue is we, haven't, we didn't understand bonds and we didn't understand sexuality and it was taboo. So it was exciting and naughty. And so this whole thing about, oh, well, passion has a best before date and what you have to do to create passion is it's all about novelty Mm -hmm. it's all about novelty and performance right instead of "Mm, no um you know you can have a big fast turn on with novelty but that isn't gonna go on for years in a relationship but passion waxes and wanes like everything else like intimacy and closeness but if you understand it If you understand your dance and you understand and you can touch your own longing for your partner and relax into your partner's body, and if you can talk about it with your partner, 
it seems to me that passion is an infinitely renewable resource, mm. not, something, yes. not something that's got a best before date. You know, it's like... Uh, I just want to, we're going to take a break. I want to make sure you started us off talking about the dance, so and the importance yeah. of seeing the predictability of that and helping couples to see that. You know, I think part of the problem with a lot of therapists is we're trained to see one pattern, right? Or this emotional withdrawer and this emotional pursuer. And then when there's fluidity in their moves, like we're not really sure what to do with it. So really getting your feedback on the sexual cycle, right? Where this male, maybe emotionally withdrawn partner all of a sudden, this is the doorway they use for connection yes. and they push him, right? And this really emotional pursuing wife that's pushing for conversations all the time, when it comes to sex, all of a sudden they shut it down. They're avoided as possible. They don't want to talk about it. They flip roles, right? And how do we help therapists become a different therapist as they shift roles and not force <laughs> people into one box? Yes, let's talk about that, George. Lovely. I really appreciate our partnership with Uberlube. Since I've been doing this show, Lori, they've been a pretty loyal partner and their mission is the same as ours to just increase levels of engagement and passion in relationships. And, you know, something's happening, get in the way of that. Use a product, use a tool, use something to make things a bit easier. And Uberlube is so, so helpful in helping with that mission. Wouldn't you agree, Lori? I would agree. It makes sex slippery and fun. And I think people should use it, lots and lots of it, maybe before intercourse, during intercourse, after intercourse. You know, you, you can use it on your whole body just to make touching more fun. And we highly recommend it. It's a silicone-based product, and it has vitamin E, which is good for your body. It's a great product that I've been recommending for 20 years. Nice. Slippery. Who doesn't like slippery, Lori? Ooh, slippery. Keep it coming, Uber Lube. Uberlube.com with the coupon foreplay for 10% off. Did you like that? Keep it coming. I, Uberlube. That's not bad. <laughs> I did. I liked it. We would love to draw your attention to ICEFT, which is the International Center for Excellence in Emotionally Focused Therapy. This is Sue Johnson's foundation and home for George and I. So really what we're all about there is promoting secure relationships between partners and families. And EFT is an experiential therapy. So when you go into therapy with an EFT therapist, you're really going to work on the cycle right there in the room. We're not going to talk about all the things, all the fights that happened. We're going to work with you on the pursuer's part and the withdrawer's part. We work with the emotional cycle and the sexual cycle, even if it's reversed. And if you want to find a therapist who works in the way that George and I work in EFT, um, this is where you find it at iceft.com. It's I-C-E-E-F-T.com. ICEFT is a rich resource if you're a therapist. There are trainings for therapy in EFT in all kinds of specialties, addiction, trauma, there's the basics, which is your externship and your core skills, and you really need that foundationally to become the best therapist grounded in attachment theory that you can be. If you are just a person seeking help, um, you can find couples resources there like workshops. There are books written by Sue Johnson, Love Sense, Hold Me Tight. We really encourage you to purchase those and read them together. So that is 
iceft.com, I-C-E-E-F-T.com, to find a therapist, to find a couples workshop, to get training in EFT. And we just invite you to to join us. It is something that I had wished I had done and found 20 years ago. Thank you, Sue Johnson. So we want to talk to you, Sue, about when people flip-flop positions, when one pursuer becomes then suddenly avoidant or a withdrawer, and the withdrawer becomes pursuer, and they're flip-flopping in the sexual cycle frequently. Sometimes you know, they take the same position. Sometimes pursuers pursue emotionally and sexually, and sometimes withdrawers withdraw sexually and emotionally. But so many times in our work, I I think particularly I see this in heterosexual couples, there's a flip-flop. And I guess what I have seen in EFT, which has been an absolute game changer for my work. I, I've been working in attachment and sex therapy for many, many years. And I've always seen the cycle, both sexually and emotionally, but your work has transformed my work and I'm still a newbie, you know, but it's, it's magnificent what you have taught me and given me just in my work and in my life, I would say as well, you know, just what I've learned. I, it's really been a blessing. But I have seen so many people, particularly I think about the male who is avoidant emotionally, but his heart opens with his body. Like, it's not just that he wants sex. This is the way he feels love. I mean, this is, this is his most, this is his biggest opening. That's right. And it's like, I, I feel like we have to honor that and see him in that. Yes, I think you're right. And I think in society, we've compartmentalized, we cut off, you know, people's emotional closeness, sexual intimacy, you know, um, sort of people as collaborators in their life. We put all these boxes, which is nonsense. They're the same people, you know. Mm -hmm. And what I see is that men often have no language and they've also also been taught not to be vulnerable. They've been taught that women don't want that or that that society doesn't want that. It's about longing, right? It's It's about desire. You know, I remember working with a guy, Danny, and he, the, he came in and he said, the problem is that I'm highly sexed. That My doctor tells me I'm highly sexed. My testosterone's through the roof and we never make love. And then his wife is withdrawn and depressed. And then I listen to them. I mean, they make love a lot, actually. And he says, if you, they've been together 30 years, by the way, five children. Um, if you loved me, you'd want to make love to me three times a day. And you'd have three orgasms every time. And I started to feel exhausted when he said this. And, and, you know, I looked at her face and she literally closed down. You could see her closed down. And what is this? This is not, this is not high testosterone. This is Danny. I say, when do you feel safe and sure your wife loves you? And he looks at me like I'm a crazy person. And he's, then we have to get to, the only time I've ever felt like she really wanted me, she really she married me because she was in love with my best friend and he jilted her. Mm. And I've known that. And she says, oh, not mm. this again, not this again. And he says, the only time I really know she loves me is when I'm inside her and she's having an orgasm. And if she has two, I know she loves me. And, and she said, 
what's wrong with you? We went away for the weekend. We had great lovemaking. What's wrong with you? And he looked at her and he said, you're right. But will you make love to me tomorrow? Will you make love to me twice? Mm -hmm. This is, and then we start to talk about how in Danny's family, he was never touched. He doesn't know how to ask for touch. He doesn't, mm -hmm. he never asked for a hug. He doesn't know how mm -hmm. to ask for emotional support. He doesn't, so literally he's put all his attachment needs and longing and desire, it all goes into this longing to feel connected. But the only way he knows to talk about it is make love to me, make love to me more often. Why don't you make, and of course it yep. drives his partner away. His partner gets more and more shut down. And what she hears, which is awful, is I'm never going to be enough for this man, never. And she becomes clinically depressed. Yes. And the more yes. clinically depressed she becomes, the less she, libido she has. I mean, you could just see it working, right? So, you know, it, but Sue, that example, like that, you had to deal with it because they presented that, right? It, it was yes. clear how many men feel similarly but don't talk about it. Or don't push that strongly in that direction. It's still that one area that they feel safe and connected. They just don't talk about it. Right? Yes, and there's so much right. then emphasis <laughs> on the emotional cycle and trying to get them to engage. But there's not a lot of emphasis on, you know, the sexual cycle and how important that is for that person. So yes. would it make sense to do more of a thorough, like for us as therapists early on, like just check in with that? Like, is this an area? Right. Of course, of course. And I, to be honest with you, I think most therapists, like most of us, the irony is, if you look around our world, like somebody from a place like Iran, you know, we teach EFT in Iran. I think if they looked around New York, they'd say, oh, my goodness, sex is everywhere. Sex is everywhere. You know, it's like it's, it's used to, to sell things. It's, you know, da, da, da. so that's true on one level. On the other hand, I've been seeing couples for 35 years and I do not experience that today couples are any more comfortable talking <laughs> about their uh, longings, desires, sexual needs, what they like, what they don't like, what turns their body on, what doesn't. They're no more comfortable at talking about that than they were 35 years ago. So this is an interesting one. And I think it's all tied up with whether we like it or not. When we're naked, and I think that's a metaphor as well as a reality, and we're in bed with someone who we want to love us and we count on, whether we like it or not, we are vulnerable. Yes, and we are. We, people don't know how to deal with that, you know. Absolutely. And, and I think as therapists, this is part of what George and I are trying to do on foreplay is we're trying to help people have natural conversations about it, feel yes. comfortable. And I think even as therapists, right, we're human beings and it's so hard to work in the sexual attachment cycle because we don't bring it live in the room. We don't talk explicitly with people about their orgasms and their lubrication and their erections. We're so afraid. I think, I think we're afraid we're going to be pinned to having an answer versus really helping them in the cycle, talking to each other and feeling what they feel with each other. And that's, I think that is what EFT does so beautifully. I, I, I hope it does. We, we get people all the time, Sue, who want 
a therapist for, for their sexual problems. And I always refer them to ISEFT because I believe what we are doing already in EFT is the processing. I, I don't refer them to sex therapists because I know many of them think of it as mechanical, as a problem in one body instead of between the couple. There's a story that I love, a story in Hold Me Tight, that I, a couple I put in Hold Me Tight that I love, where the guy has erectile dysfunction. So is the problem that the guy sometimes has erectile dysfunction? Not really. The problem is what happens next? What happens next is the guy goes into deep shame. The woman yes. gets scared. The woman tries to encourage him. The guy just hears he's a failure. The woman gives him advice. The guy hears a it, it all goes wrong. What shifts is when we start having a talk about, he calls his penis George. Sorry, George. But he calls his, he calls his, he calls his penis George. Okay. And we start having a talk about how, as you get older, sometimes George takes a little nap. And they start talking about their cycle and they, they start talking about their feelings. They create this safety. They start seeing each other and being able to talk about how they don't want to lose each other. And he starts talking about how he's got all these images of how he should be as a man and how he feels small and terrible. And she starts talking about how she wants him anyway. Her favorite thing is to lie with her head on his naked chest, right? That's not about the, 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 whether he keeps his erection forever or not. And then everything changes and they start talk about how, yes, George does take a nap sometimes and that's okay if they don't freak out. They can just accept that. And then she starts saying things like, instead of being angry and upset, and she starts saying things like, well, I do know some ways to wake him up. <laughs> and then they start having this amazing conversation and suddenly this problem doesn't interfere with the dance between them. In fact, it's become a source of compassion, caring, intimacy, play. But, you know, they couldn't do that when they came in. They were, they were talking about splitting and, you know, he could hardly talk uh, because he was ashamed. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could have taught him some skills for how to improve his erection but i have no faith in that because if the emotional music isn't safe in a relationship that emotional music is so powerful it just washes away cognitive sets like skills yeah mm -hmm. and that's the beauty of bringing in the sexual cycle like if you facilitated that conversation i'd want to know how does she wake george up what does she do, right? Yes. How does that work for him? Does that work for him or does that trigger some blocks where his shame comes up, right? The most profound thing you've said that I'm taking out of this is like, in a way we've been surrounded with so much more sex imagery and we think as a culture, like we're more open and more free. But in 35 years, we're no better talking about these places of vulnerability sexually than we ever have been. And again, I think that's the mission of what we're trying to do here. How do we bring that sexual cycle alive so they can actually get our help instead of going home and not having any skills to have these conversations and go right back into those negative well, cycles? You know, George, it strikes me so much that it's about the emotional music and the conversation, like all this research that's just come out, particularly about women's desire and how women are much more 
you know, a woman can be physically aroused. She can be lubricated. And if you ask the woman, do you feel desire at the moment? She can say no. Okay, that's not true with a man. It's more instant. It's more physical. Yes. And the research from an MRI research, I think this was Galath, talks about the fact that there seems to be a kind of breaker in women's brains where the woman will begin to get physically aroused. And then it's like her brain, she goes into her prefrontal cortex. She goes into her thinking brain and she goes and checks out safety. Mm-hmm. And this makes sense. Women are very vulnerable in the sex act. A larger being is going to come into them. They, they just think about that. Women are very, and it's like the female brain says, so she checks the relationship before she allows herself to go into and feel and let that desire come up in her body. And this is, they call it responsive desire. But I think it's really all about that all through the ages and all through evolution, women have had to check out relationships and particularly relationships with men because their life, literally their physical survival depended on it. So it's a very interesting one. So, you know, the creation of emotional safety allows for erotic play, erotic conversation, allows for sharing that allows you to dance. Well, I dance when we don't have COVID, I dance Argentine tango. And I want to tell you that if I, I dance with maybe, I don't know, 10 partners in in a three hour longer, right? And it's the ones that I have, I feel safe and connected with. It's the ones that I've danced with before where I can tune into their rhythms that then we can come into some sort of synchrony and then magic happens. We can play, we can move, we can do moves that I didn't even know existed in tango. We can explore. I can feel the music in a different way. I'm dancing with someone. Yep. You know, it's like that's totally different than performance. Oh, I'm being I, a good I, tango dancer now. I so agree with you, Sue, that so many women are oriented to responsive sexual desire. That is yeah. that is absolutely true. And I love what you're saying about it makes sense because of the differential in our physical sizes and strength and things like that. I think in the cycle, we have to honor that truth. Yes. And we also have to honor the truth of the male who feels love sexually. And that unfortunately, her needs for safety, she's withdrawing sexually sometimes, which deregulates him, dysregulates him sexually. And therefore, then emotionally, he doesn't feel safe that you know, he's going to be satisfied that he's going to be, his needs are going to be seen by his partner. And so he shuts down emotionally, which then dysregulates her emotionally. She can't get the safety she needs sexually. It goes on and on and on. And I think as a couples therapist, we have to hold both truths. And I think, of course, and, you know, there are women who very much feel sex as love too. And and I always try to represent them as well because I'm kind of one of those, uh, you know. It's nice, it's nice, Laura, to see in this conversation. I think EFT has done such a great job of helping women put words to the need for that safety, yes. right? And really helping them make, right? And that was trying to stretch a little bit in the, in the other area that says, well, if, if you're a man and you don't need that, and this is your one way of really connected, and it doesn't have all these blocks and obstacles to it, right? When you can't get that, 
that creates some big emotional problems, right? And how do we kind of honor that space too to have both people feel seen early on in the process? You know, George, the thing about that one that really struck me, that really strikes me, I used to think, okay, that, that I used to believe the thing about how, oh, well, that's really about physical release. Your men need physical release. But the more and more I work with couples, the more I learned is, yeah, but there's another dimension, which is where men and women are not so different. Men and women both need to feel that they are desired. Oh, yes. And that is... Absolutely. And so what Danny is really screaming about, is Danny really screaming by saying, I want you to make love to me three times a day. I, I, never mind you. He doesn't say, I want six orgasms a day. He says, I want you to have six orgasms. What is this? He's really saying, tell me that you want me. Tell me you desire me. Tell me that I've been wrong all these years in my worst dreams where you've really never loved me. You've always been in love with my best friend who's taller than me, bigger than me, richer than me, cleverer than me. Tell me that you desire me. And he can uh, never say yeah. it, right? Tell, tell me you need me yes. because then I will know our bond is secure. That's right. right. And that's what he needs. And the way he's been trying to get it you know, for most of his marriage has been pretty, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm blown away they survived, to tell you the truth. I mean, because as she said, you put so much pressure on me. How yeah. can I? How can I feel anything except the pressure, which is, you know, um, hey, okay, all right. You know, yeah. what, happens, what happens to you, Danny, when you hear her say that? Well, I don't know. You know, yes. so I have to slow everything down and help them hear each other. Right. right. And, and the, one of the far ends of the sexual pursuer is this frantic, frenetic quality. Yes. But, but we have to see that. And what I think you're saying is you saw in Danny his need. You saw beyond desperation his for his need for attachment and security. And, and that was how you could help him make sense of it. Yes, that's right. That's Beautiful. exactly right, Laurie. That's it. That's perfectly said. Well, who would have thought, Sue, 20 years ago? We'd be coming back together talking about sex, right? Oh, no, George, I wouldn't. <laughs> right? And so thank you for this. We hope, well, we hope you could come back. I mean, we wouldn't be having this conversation without you. The world's a better place for you. And to just like bring this to help couples actually move the needle in the area of these conversations, how could that not make the world a better place? So I thank you so. for all you do for us. We are thank grateful. You for your work and for what you've given us and the world, thank what you've you taught us. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you guys. And I, I think what you're doing is great work. And thank you for inviting me. We want to invite everybody to our retreat, May 20th. So sign up now at foreplayradiosextherapy.com. That's where you find us in the resource section. And George is going to lead us through anatomy and physiology in yeah. the class. <laughs> Tell us everything he knows. It's not much. <laughs> it's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time and really help you have conversations with your partner. Again, you don't have to have conversations in the whole group. People get anxious about that. If you're a therapist and you want to attend, talk to us. Lots of therapists have attended in the past and they just turn their video off and you, know, you can 
have privacy. We'll help you figure that out. We always figure it out, Lori. We always figure it but out. But the spirit of it is invest the day of your time to commit towards improving your relationship, the communication, the emotional, sexual cycle. I mean, it really is important. If there was somebody I loved, I always recommend this nice wedding gift, right? Do yes. A, do a hold me tight. Do a one day intensive where you can really get intentional and clear about your relationship. Call in your questions to the Foreplay Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY, the number four, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by Foreplay Media.